I'm Paola Rodellis. And I'm Janice Lobos Sapigo. And this is Panay Astrology. Two Panay's, one podcast, BIPOC poems, pop culture, and the planets. Yes. Oh, I missed you, pal. <laughs> I missed you too, and I missed all of our listeners. Um, maybe we could just like start by just explaining what we're gonna do until season two, um, and that's we're pl- planning on kind of just recording these little mini episodes because. For any of you who are listening to our podcast, you know, we talk a lot. Like, each episode was probably about, like, two hours long. And so, um, you know, we're going to restart season two in January. But meanwhile, we still, like, wanted to create content. And so we want to do these shorter episodes. And the theme for these episodes is going to be the planets. Yes. Yeah, and I feel like we didn't have a lot of time last season to talk about each one. And so I'm glad we've decided that, for example, this episode, um, we'll be talking about the sun and the moon. And then every week thereafter, we'll be talking about one of the planets. Um, Hint, we might go in order in which they appear. (laughs) Pretty much. I mean, and you know, it makes sense that we're doing the sun and moon first because... um, well, one, we're both Leos, and we both have really strong moons. <laughs> and two, I actually really do think the sun um, and then the moon um, are good starting points, too, because, you know, for many, I know there's a lot of people listening from, like, with a variety of background in astrology. Like, some of you all, like, got into this because you read your horoscopes in a newspaper or something or in, like, Teen Vogue or whatever, and that's great. Um Actually, I'd be really curious how to hear one day how you got into astrology, Janice. Ooh, <laughs> but, yes. um, but yeah, but I know there's also people too who are just like a little bit more advanced and like have been like studying this and like like know how to read a chart and like all of that. And but we want to create, yeah, we're hoping these episodes can be like accessible for everyone and like everyone can learn like a little something new or something to reflect on. Yes, and I'll be asking some questions, maybe like basic questions because there are still some things that I would like to learn and I'm hoping that people who are listening along um, maybe are also seeking the same kind of insight from Paula. So I'm excited to get there. Um, and, too. So, and then we're going to read poems too, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So today Paula's going to talk about the sun. I'll ask some questions. Paula will talk about the moon. I will ask more questions and then we will both read a poem um, well, we're both reading the same poem. I need Paula's assistance because it is a pretty long one. So we're going to get into it. Hopefully this will be a shorter episode, but I wouldn't be surprised if it ends up being just as long because of our composite Gemini moon. <laughs> <laughs> yes, bear with us. We'll see. This is, we'll see how this ends up going. <laughs> okay, so let's just jump into it then. So let's start talking about the sun. And so, but before I, I even just kind of go into that, like look like um yeah just kind of going back to the whole thing on sun sign astrology it's it's really interesting because sun sign astrology is actually a really modern invention it only came around in i believe the 1900s and yeah it started because there was an astrologer out there who um I might really be fucking up this history. I'm so sorry for anyone who actually really studies this shit, but I'm pretty sure like I pretty much just started with like, you know, there were astrologers out there who like kind of started publishing horoscopes in the newspaper. And my assumption is like they, they started with like sun signs because the sun um, in terms of its cycle out of all the different planets, it's really predictable. Like, 
the sun takes approximately 30 days to move through a sign. And so like the sun changes signs like approximately on the 21st or 22nd of every month and then takes a whole year to get through the zodiac. And so it's just easier for people to like figure out what their sun sign is because it's like, okay, I'm born on August 14. Like I'm like smack in the middle of Leo season. Like I'm definitely mm -hmm. a Leo, right? And mm -hmm. so in some ways, sun sign astrology really did make astrology more accessible, I think, for like the average person. But I think um, one of the things that kind of bums me out about it is it, it did make us neglect the rest of the planets. Like most people have no idea that or they just don't think that like, oh, well, at the time I was born, there were all these other planets that were all in these other signs. And the other thing, too, is I think sun sign astrology also like led to a got us to a place where um, we focus so much on the signs and like not enough on the planets and like what the whole mm. role of the planets is, which is another reason why I really wanted to do these like mini episodes is to kind of bring the attention back on the planets. And like, don't get me wrong, like, I don't think it's like there's anything wrong with just like the signs, but I think really, really, truly understanding the signs, like, I, I think you gotta like really understand the planets, like, that the fact that like each one of these planets like has a role that like doesn't change. But what does change is the sign it ends up falling on. Um, and then also the relationship that the planets like have with each other. And that's what makes everyone's like natal charts just so unique because it's just like infinite combinations or almost infinite combinations. So, yeah. so yeah, that's, um, that's just kind of like the gist of, or that's kind of how I wanted to start. So like now, like with the sun, right? Like, as I was saying, like each planet's like located in like one of the 12 signs and then it's also located in a house which I, I won't go into the houses for this these mini episodes but and then each planet has signs that they like prefer to be in and then signs like they don't really like to be in as much you know they kind of struggle like a little bit and then they, there's a ton of signs where they're just kind of neutral about it like they don't really like hate or love it either and so um with the sun like first of all like the sun's purpose is like the sun represents ourself like the sun is our self-interest, it's our ego, it's our identity. And so um, it's like no surprise that the sun's favorite sign to be it, like be in is Leo. <laughs> and uh, that's, oh, and I really do think one of the big things about being Leo is about like, how do you be like your most authentic self? Um, mm. And not just like when you're like at home, you know, and no one's around, but like out in the world, like out with your friends in small groups, like, and at home when you are all by yourself, like, how do you be that person like as authentically and as genuinely as possible? Like, how do you be like really, really true to yourself? Um, so yes, the sun really likes to be in Leo. The sun is also like what you call like exalted in Aries. So like the sun also really likes to be in Aries as well. And so I think for people who have their sun in both Leo and Aries, um, they tend to do um, better than average when it comes to like being your like most authentic self and really mm -hmm. understanding and going after like your self-interest. So then this, uh, the, as for the signs that the sun doesn't do as well in, so the sun's what you call like, it's in detriment in Aquarius, and then it's in its fall in Libra. And the reason why the sun doesn't really like to be in these signs as much is because Aquarius, like if, this, if Leo is so self-focused, like the opposite sign Aquarius is going to be so focused on the collective. And it's like all about the greater good for like an Aquarius sun, but like one of the struggles that Aquarius suns can be is just even finding like their own self in that. And that's why like Aquarius gets like that 
reputation of being like the rebel, you know, and because like, I, th I feel like there are a lot of Aquarians out there who really, really feel the need, like they've got to be like really, really fucking different or something mm. to like really stand out in the crowd. And that's how their way of expressing individuality. Um, Libra, on the other hand, I think can really like struggles with these sudden type things like self because of the people pleasing tendencies of Libra. Mm. Like Libra is always trying to find balance and consensus and harmony and I think can struggle with the reality that not everyone's always going to be happy. Oh, and man. can That's so and, true. Yeah. So <laughs> I think Libra sons can just struggle with um even figuring out who they are because like I think um at worst it what could kind of turn into is just like defining yourself by your relationships and by other like or letting other people define you. Um I think um, as uh, other than that, like the one thing about the sun is like, yeah, as I was saying, it's like, it's got a pretty predictable cycle. Like one of the reasons why is the sun never stations retrograde. Thank God. Like, can you imagine like what a sun retrograde would be like? <laughs> and we'll talk more about retrogrades when we talk about some of the other planets. But, um, but yeah, so the sun has a pretty like predictable cycle. And um I think that some of the last notes I want to make on the sun is I do want to talk a little bit about what the sun's doing like today, you know, at the time of this recording. So um, we're in Scorpio season right now. We're like right at this tail end of it. And then on September 21st, we have the sun moving into Sagittarius and the sun neither likes nor hates to be in Scorpio or Sag. Um, so it's like not like a huge shift for the sun either way, except that we do have um we are going to be in uh, eclipse season soon so we do have two eclipses coming up and the sun you know an eclipse is basically like the relationship between the sun and moon right and it's like um like a solar eclipse is like when like the when the moon is like shadow is blocking the sun and then the a lunar eclipse is when like the sun is like blocking the moon and so we've got two of those coming up and the lunar eclipse in Gemini is happening on November 30th. And then the solar eclipse in Sagittarius is happening on December 14th. And so, um, you know, eclipses are um, not positive things. They tend to be, you know, like um, the ancient Babylonians used to always see eclipses as like a crazy time for their rulers. And so would even get to a point where if they knew an eclipse was coming up, they would swap out the king with like a proxy king because they just associated eclipses with like kings dying or like bad things happening to kings. So, um, you know, for us, you know, especially with global politics right now, it'll be kind of really, really interesting to see what these eclipses will bring, especially with, um, you know, we're now like post-election here in the United States. Um, but on a personal level, yeah, just really look at like what, where Sagittarius and Gemini are in your chart. And um, yeah, just, you might also want to look back at the, the last time we had an eclipse in Sagittarius was on June 5th. So you might even want to look at that last eclipse cycle, not just the specific day, but like the two weeks before and the two weeks after June 5th, because it could give you some hints on what to expect for these November 30th and December 14th eclipses. Mm. But those are my, you know, brief, kind of sort of brief thoughts on the sun. Yeah. Okay. I think you answered the first question I had, but I came up with a couple. Um, thanks, pal. It's like a crash course right here in the sun. Um, I'm learning so much already. I have two, one comment and one question. Um, my first comment is, I like that you said, 
um, for people to pay attention to um, like all the planets, you know? <laughs> um, and, you know, I know on our podcast, we have talked mostly about like the big three, you know, like in people's signs um, and their charts. Um, but I think like, I, for example, I think of a friend who was like, you know, I know she was like, yeah, I like listening to or learning people's sun, moon, and Venus as opposed to their rising. Cause she was like, I really want to know how people love, you know, how do they love themselves and other people? How do they take in people's attention? So I really like that. Um, maybe we just need more equity for all the planets. <laughs> yeah. Um, yes. so that was my first comment. And then my, my first question is, um, what's the difference between detriment and fall? Ooh, that is such a good question. Okay, so I one of the best ways I've seen detriment and fall explained, and like you know, some people might not agree with this, but I feel like planets in detriment tend to be deficient in that role, and then planets in fall tend to be excessive in that role. And I think this will be easier to explain actually when we talk about the moon, um, because I feel like the moon is actually a really, really great example. Like when you look at the moon in Capricorn versus the moon in Scorpio, but with the sun, so you've got like Aquarius, um, Aquarius sun detriment, and then you've got Libra, um, sun and fall. So, um, so yeah, if the sun's like about like being like our, like, you know, wrecking, you know, our sense of self, right then the sun and the sun's in detriment in aquarius which means like it's going to be deficient there i think that's why aquarians mm -hmm. can so much struggle with just even understanding who they are in this place of just like collective society like i've had an aquarius sun tell me that they're like yeah i like i need to reflect some more because sometimes i really struggle with just like recognizing my humanness and i was just like oh my mm -hmm. fucking god like how mm -hmm. fucking aquarius is that wow. <laughs> Yeah. And then, whereas, like, with Libra, like, so with, with planets in fall, they tend to be, like, a little excessive um, to a point where it's just kind of, like, not, like, it's like, oh, you didn't quite hit the mark either. I feel like that's how Libra is, too, because I think Libras can totally, like, express themselves and, like, know who they are, but I think some of the problem is that they can be over-influenced by, like, other people, like, or their relationships, or like the conflicts that other people bring, like influencing their sense of self too much. Mm, okay. Does that makes sense. Yeah, totally. It totally makes sense. Um, as you were talking to, I kept thinking about Aquarius sons and in my experience, some of, some of my Aquarius sun friends have been like some of the most reflective activists <laughs> um, in my circle because they are not only thinking of like what's wrong in the world, but how can they personally, personally live in a way that is aligned with what they want in the world. And sometimes I think that becomes a struggle, right? Because it's not easy to align our beliefs with personal action. Like it's so much easier to talk about. And so I think that maybe from what I've seen, like Aquarius is like really um, live that difference, but also live the struggle. So yeah, I sometimes uh, maybe in season one, I have like, um, I, don't, I don't mean to like shit on Aquariuses. So maybe this is my way of like making up for it. So <laughs> it helps me understand. Um, and I know this wasn't planned, but actually you when you talked about the eclipses, I was reminded of a really short poem. Can I read it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, this is maybe you've seen it's very like Instagrammy, like everyone has posted it, but it's written by a 13th century Persian poet named Hafiz. 
Um, and it's really beautiful. It's a short poem and it reads, even after all this time, the sun never says you owe me. <laughs> Look what happens with a love like that. It lights the whole sky. So it's like the balance between the sun and the moon and how they essentially like, you know, tag team, take shifts to bring us our day and to bring us our night. So um, when you were talking, I just remember that. And I was like, yeah, that's so interesting. The planets are also in relationships um, and they work together. So um, yeah, I just wanted I like to share. that. Thank yeah. you for sharing it. I'm glad you remembered yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, I think that's a good segue to talk about the moon. Do you want to talk? Yes. About All right. So let's talk about the moon. So um, again, like each planet has its own just role or function that's universal. Like it doesn't change. What does change is the sign that 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 planet ends up being in. And so for the moon, its goal, its like role, its like responsibilities, however you want to put it, is that it's all about nourishment, emotions and physical and emotional needs. It's about how do we take care of ourselves and then how do we take care of the people around us? And so that's the moon. Um, and, you know, with the moon, yeah, I, I do, I, I am happy that like, you know, sun moon rising is becoming more popular because it does mean that people like are like more familiar now with their moon signs. Like I was, um, and I'm like, kind of feel like a little removed by it because like people aren't like that there here yet here in Hawaii, but like, my canvassing partner who's in Portland, like when I was in Reno, was saying like, oh yeah, like it's just like the Pacific Northwest anyway. It's like everyone's like, oh, what's your sun moon rising now? And I was like, oh shit. Okay. I didn't like, know that's what it's like over there now. So that's kind of cool. But anyway, like with the, um, and what actually like, I do want to just make a plug, you know, for anyone listening who just like has like a super, super new to this has like never pulled up their chart. Like I strongly, strongly recommend that you pull it up on a, a website called astro.com and it's free. You can pull up your chart on there. And I just think it's the most accurate co like calculation because the thing with the moon is like, it is the fastest moving planet. It only spends two and a half days in signs. And so, um, you really need to make sure that you're like using an accurate calculator. Cause I have seen people who will like use like, other websites like cafe astrology or they'll use apps like costar and then mm -hmm. uh, like think this whole time they were like a capricorn moon and then like it like turns out like they go on astro.com like which is like a really extremely accurate calculator and find that they were actually an aquarius moon so mm. <laughs> yeah you don't want that happening to you that would be really kind of sad <laughs> like this whole yeah. time thinking you were on like identity <laughs> crisis <laughs> but um yeah like we were just talking about um well, actually, like, yeah, so the moon is the fastest planet, it spends about like two and a half days in the sign. So that means it takes about 30 days to get through the entire zodiac. It's like really, really fast. And I think its speed is a reflection of just the quick shifts in our moods, our emotions, and just like our somatic bodily experiences, right? Like that stuff can just change so quickly on the day to day. And that's just kind of what the moon's about. And you know, we were talking about like detriment, exaltation, stuff like that earlier. Like, um, you know, just again, a quick recap on that. Like each planet has signs that they enjoy like, like being in and then signs they don't really particularly like. And then most signs like they're kind of neutral about. With the moon, mm -hmm. the moon um, rules cancer. The moon really, really enjoys being a cancer. It's like the moon's home. 
and then the moon's exalted in Taurus. So with the moon in Cancer and Taurus, that means like folks who have moon in Cancer and Taurus, like tend, it, it comes to easier, like the ability to be able to care for others and then care for themselves. But also, and that requires like in order to care for others and care for yourself, like you need to have like a good understanding and introspection on what it is you really need. And so, and what it is that other people really need, right? Which oftentimes requires just listening and being present and like all that kind of stuff. And so um, people with moon and cancer and Taurus like tend to do um, better with that. Um, the moon is in detriment in Capricorn and in fall in Scorpio. And so as I was saying earlier, like planets in detriment tend to be deficient and then planets in fall tend to be excessive. So, and I feel like that actually is perfectly encapsulated with moon and Capricorn and moon and Scorpio because moon and Capricorn folks will really struggle with recognizing what their needs even are and therefore, and what the needs of others are. And then therefore, or will even just like full out deny that they even have needs consciously or con unconsciously will like even deny that like they have needs and emotions and it's just like all about just getting shit done right like capricorn's a saturn ruled sign and so mm -hmm. like it's just so in many ways the opposite of the moon and so mm -hmm. um and so yeah capricorn moons can like really even struggle they'll either like deny their needs or they like just can't tap into them as easier as easily as like a like a cancer or taurus moon and then scorpio moons on the other hand like fully recognize and like know that they've got needs and desires and also like that they have feels like they can definitely very much tap into their feels but one of the problems with scorpio moon is finding like appropriate ways to be able to kind of express like their emotions and needs or to like mm. kind of express to others like that, that you know, they've got these needs um or and then also figuring out how do you care for like the people you are and like make sure like their needs are like getting tended to and so um and some of that's because yeah scorpio is a mars ruled sign like mars is all about like desire mm. and getting shit done but not quite like receptivity to like you know just like also just kind of really like understanding yourself and understanding others right so um in terms of like what um you know i think another thing important to note about the moon is like its phases you know like i know a lot of people get in deeper into astrology because they like want to learn more about like moon phases they want to learn more about new moons and full moons and like what all of that has to do and like you know there's a lot of talk about like oh new moons are like good for manifestations and like that kind mm -hmm. of stuff and so um I think it's undeniable like just how important the moon phases have been for humans like all across the world and that mm -hmm. there are a bazillion different ways that different peoples have broken down the moon phases like um yeah like i've seen systems where there's like eight different moon phases 16 four like um I, I don't know if the number off the top of my head, but here in Hawaii, for example, like Native Hawaiians like have their own moon phase system here mm -hmm. that they had studied. And I I believe it's a really large number, like the different phases within the cycle. <laughs> but I can't remember off the top of my head what it is. Um, but all of it kind of all, all of what all of it has to like comes down to is just like this like it's the waxing and waning cycle of the moon. Like a new moon, obviously there's like literally no moon, like there's no light um that the moon is reflecting from the sun. 
and then um and then the full moons like when yeah the moon is just like fully bright and visible new moons do tend to be like good for manifestation but what it really is is like new moons are all about new beginnings it really is the beginning of a new cycle and then full moons are about like a peak a culmination of what was started and then you kind of just like you know start the cycle all over again with the next new moon um and then I don't think I have much else to add in terms of just like what's happening with the moon today. Like, cause like I already talked about the eclipses. Maybe I'll just talk a little bit more about it, but um, yeah, the sun and moon have like just this um, relationship that's just always tied. Like, like uh, the entire moon cycle is about the relationship with, between the moon and the sun. Um, and then we do have eclipses coming up again. The moon moves very quickly. So like, I mean, the moons, I believe in Sagittarius today, I'm like losing track, but it's going to be throughout this week in Capricorn, Aquarius and Pisces. So mm. it's very, very quick moving. Um, you know, some astrologers or people just differ on just like how like much to really, really track the moon just because it moves so fast. Um, we just had a new moon in Scorpio yesterday. And so I, I'm really curious to hear how that new moon was for people. It was like fine for me. Like, um, and, um, and yeah, and then again, we got these eclipses on November 30th and December 14th. I think those <laughs> eclipses are going to be much bigger than this new moon that had just passed. So um, I think that's all I got to share about the moon. Yeah. Wow. Okay. I think you answered all of my questions. Um, I do have like one comment, which is like, um, I like what you said about how different cultures have different systems of understanding the moon. Um, and yeah, I like, I just bought this, um, or these, this set of Oracle cards that's about like the moon. It's called Moonology. Ew. Um, yeah, I, I just found it. I mean, I just found it at like a TJ Maxx, you know, and I was like, this shit looks cheap and it looks like something I would be into. And I also, I can't find like my other kind of like tarot cards that I had. Um, but I was like, maybe I should look into this. And um, this one uses like the eight, this says there are eight different phases of the moon, but I know I've heard of other um, kind of like enumerations. So I don't know. I just started working with it and um, I, <laughs> I asked it a question, right? Like I asked a question and basically the answer I got from my cards was, this does not matter. <laughs> this is not an issue. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay, well, I guess I'll just try again on another night. But what's crazy is like this, um, the instructions for this Moonology deck ask for um, the person who owns the deck to like say a little moon prayer before they kind of use it. And tell me why the second I, um, I said the prayer and it ended, um, I have like this automatic lighting system in the room I'm in right now. Tell me why the lights went off right when I finished the, the oh prayer. To the moon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess these are going to work then. So, um, yeah, I really like, I just love that you pointed that out. And a lot of people associate the moon with, like, as you said, emotions. And, um, yeah, I don't know. Now I suddenly feel, maybe this is like a Leo thing to say, but I feel happy to know that my son loves being in Leo and my moon loves being in Cancer. So. <laughs> yeah i um i that box is so pretty that your cards come in now i'm just like wondering what the cards themselves look like it's so pretty Ooh. i um 
I actually got um, someone gifted me my very first tarot deck. Not too, it's like last week. Yeah, and I, um, you know, I'm like all fixed signs. So I'm super, super stubborn. I'm just like resisting getting into tarot because I'm just like, there's so much already to learn about astrology. Like, why get into like another thing? But now I'm so fucking happy I have it. Actually, this is so. I've been pulling one card every day and just like really reflecting on that card and like not even asking a question, just like just pulling the card and. It's just been so insightful. I love it. Yes. Um, I was using an app that was called Mystic Mondays that actually one of my students introduced me to. And it's basically an app that is a tarot deck, you know. Um, But I think they have like moved the app onto a website. And I was like, I really wanted the app. But um, that's sort of what pulled me to buy these Oracle cards instead. And I actually, I'm really surprised that you have it, or maybe that you've resisted um, using uh, tarot cards because I kind of put like astrology and tarot and Oracle cards and crystals. I kind of put them all like in the same like metaphysical box in my head, you know? Um, And I think like my entry point started with crystals. So I think that also is like, I know you're wondering, like, how did I get started? But I think it just kind of started with crystals. Hmm. And now I'm wondering, like, we talked briefly a week ago about, like, how plants and the planets work together. Um, and I have found some things. So I'll, I'll share that when I have it ready. But, you know, I think all of these things are just, like, even more connected. And I feel you when you're like, oh, shit, there's so much to know. I really think it's important to dive into those different ways of knowing so that, um, you know, I feel like these are all ways to also like undo, um, singular ways of thinking to like decolonize the way we understand our world. Um, and also to not like, what's the word, you know, to just kind of allow alternate ways of thinking to be more present and fully fleshed. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, I remember once a student told me like, oh, astrology isn't real. And I was like, I excuse, I was like, excuse me. (laughs) Like, how do you think people were able to travel before we had these modern maps and GPS systems, you know, like, right, the sky was there first, the stars were there first, like, who, who the fuck are we to say that these things, these map systems don't work, you know, it was, it was like beyond an insult, but I definitely, I shared that with that student, and so I hope he, like, thinks a little bit more about it. <laughs> I hope so, too. I, yeah, I, I, I come across a lot of people who, like, I mean, they won't straight up just, like, tell me that, you know, but it's, like, yeah, it's just, like, something they haven't looked into or they don't really, like, quote-unquote believe in, but, like, I've found, yeah, once I, like, you know, the, the night sky, like, I can point out now where the planets are, and I'll always be, like, oh, that's Jupiter over there, like, that's Mars, and it, like, really fucking amazes people because we are just so mm-hmm. far removed from even being able to, like... It's shit like we used to know, like, you know, like, yeah, before modern technology and all that stuff, like, people just know, and there was a way to navigate, and it was a way to, like, um, not just, like, literally navigate, like, the physical world and figure out what direction things are, but it was, like, also a way of just, like, being able to time, like, your, like, the agricultural system, and, like, Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. the waves, and just, like, a bazillion different things, like, that this knowledge was useful for, so... Anyway. Totally, totally. And it's like, I know you all love singing along to Moana. Like, don't play. This is the same thing, you know? <laughs> <laughs> um, and sometimes it will, 
will be, I don't know how else to say this, but it will be like the stemmiest of STEM people who will say astrology isn't real. And it's like, this is a science too. Like, why are you denying your sort of like, um, you know, like your sister of the science, you know, by saying that it doesn't work. Like, yeah, I can't, like, everyone, engineers, accountants, like those are the, some of the people I've come across who said like, is that even real? And it's like, um, yes, like, I don't know how else to say it. So yeah, I don't know how to say that, but always the STEM people are like, yeah, which is just like, ironically just shows their ignorance because like, they clearly have no idea that like astrology and astronomy were studied together. Like they weren't Mm -hmm. separate things up until like relatively recently, like only within like the last like few hundred years that those two become separate things. And so I don't think we would have had a lot of, like, our, like, astronomical, like, discoveries without astrology. And I wonder what role sexism plays in that sort of split between the two. Because all of the definitions point to their similarities. And, um, yeah, I just wonder how even, like, patriarchy has sort of seeped into the different understandings of the sciences and alternate ways of knowing. And I think... Too many times people think astrology or crystals or tarot (laughs) or moonology are all just like different kinds of like religious beliefs, but they're backed by a method, you know, and um, even when we see current events play out, right, like it's all there. Everything is kind of explained. They're not entirely predicting, but it all is something that we could track. So, yeah, yeah. For sure. Yeah. Ooh, thank you for the sun and moon lesson, pal. Mm-hmm. Um, was I don't know. The busto side of me is what wants to say, too, that to moon someone is to show your whole ass. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> wow. <laughs> some oh, some moon knowledge for you all. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. All right. Um so should I get to my poem? Yes, yes. Okay. This poem is a very much loved poem by a very loved poet in the poetry world. Um this poem is The Black Maria by Aracelis Girmay. And uh, it's just a, like, when I first saw um, Araceli Skirmay read her poetry at Split This Rock Poetry Festival in Washington, D.C., and I, like, didn't really know anybody at the conference. I knew, like, three people who, like, weren't there yet when I went to go watch her read. But I was in, like, the third row from the front, like, a big, big poetry nerd. And I just remember being so enthralled and, like, encapsulated in her reading and, um, there was just something about her words that were just really speaking to me at a frequency that I was open to. And so, um, yeah, I just think she's an amazing reader, writer, poet. Um, And so I'm just gonna read a little bit of a bio. Um, Araceli Skirmay was born and raised in Santa Ana, California, um, and earned a BA at Connecticut College and an MFA from NYU. Her poems trace the connections of transformation and loss across cities and bodies. Um, she was awarded a fellowship from the NEA in 2015 and received a Whiting Award for Poetry. Basically, that means like hella money for her writing. 
uh, and was also a Kaveh Kahnem Fellow. Uh, she led youth and community writing workshops and teaches at Hampshire College. She lives in New York City. So this poem is, I don't know, Paul, do you have it opened up by any chance on your end? I do, I do, yeah. So I love this poem because I think it really balances like the sun and the self, right? Sun as the self and then moon as emotional self and understanding. Um, And it also does have like a a brief reference to motherhood and what it means to like carry a body, which is also in very poetic ways, like to carry a whole world inside of you. Um, And so I was going to ask Paula to read the epigraph. Um, An epigraph is typically a quote or um, just like a a piece of text from another source. And it usually is there to signify that this thing that you're about to read, whether it's a book or a poem or a chapter or article, is aligned with a conversation of that previous text. So um, this epigraph comes from Neil deGrasse Tyson, who is a Black astrophysicist. And yeah, Paul, can you read the epigraph? Yes. So um, I'll, yeah, I'll read even before the quote, this part that says like, after Neil deGrasse Tyson, black astrophysicist and director of the Hayden Planetarium, born in 1958, New York City. In his youth, deGrasse Tyson was confronted by police on more than one occasion when he was on his way to study stars. And here's the quote. I've known that I've wanted to do astrophysics since I was nine years old, a first visit to the Hayden Planetarium. So I got to see how the world around me reacted to my expression of these ambitions. And all I can say is the fact that I wanted to be a scientist and astrophysicist was hands down the path of most resistance. Anytime I expressed this interest, teachers would say, don't you want to be an athlete? Or do you want to... I wanted to become something that was outside of the paradigms of expectation of the people in power. And I look behind me and say, well, where are the others who might have been this? And they're not there. And I wonder, what is the thing along the tracks that I happened to survive and others did not? Simply because of the forces that prevented it. At every turn, at every turn. 2007. NDT, the Center for Inquiry. Yay. Thanks, Pal, for reading that part. Um, I think that part is central to understanding the poem. And I know we haven't gotten to the poem yet, but I really love that the epigraph is there because it shows us that um, even someone who has been super successful is still sort of hindered by systemic racism. Um, And I forget who I was talking to recently, but I was talking to somebody about how even success is still a system of unfair advantages unseen. You know, like when people say, and maybe this is me ranting a little bit, but you know, when people say like, oh, I'm like truly blessed to have like millions of dollars or I'm truly blessed to have like uh, a million dollar house it's like yes you are blessed but also isn't that also um, another way to sort of excuse the amount of privileges that you have garnered in your life you know so um, I'm just saying all of that is not necessarily just luck it's not by prayer or being blessed it's also by a system of success you know Um, and so I really appreciate that for someone who is also an astrophysicist to still kind of acknowledge and point at and question the ways that systemic racism has also shaped his life and career. 
Um, and so I'm going to read from the Black Maria. By the way, I pulled up the book. Um, I forgot I had the book and there is a moon like on the spine of the book. I don't know if you can see it, pal. I see it. I see it. Oh, cool. And then I realized that the the cover of the book, it's hard to see because it's glossy and shiny, but it has like little waves on it. And it's so pretty. The moonology cards that I (laughs) So um, I thought like this is a perfect, I just dropped everything, but this is a perfect way to talk about the sun and the moon. So um, here we go from The Black Maria by Adicelis Girmay. Body of space, body of dark body of light. The Skyview Apartments, circa 1973, a boy is kneeling on the rooftop, a boy who, it is important to mention here, his skin is brown, prepares his telescope, the weights and rods to better see the moon. His neighbor, it is important to mention here that she is white, calls the police because she suspects the brown boy of something. She does not know what at first, then turns with her looking his telescope into a gun, his duffel into a bag of objects thieved from the neighbor's houses, maybe even hers. And the police, it is important to mention that statistically, they are also white, arrive to find the boy who has been turned by now into the suspect on the roof with a long black lens, which is in the neighbor's mind, a weapon. And depending on who you are reading this, you know that the boy is in grave danger. And you might have known somewhere quiet in your gut, you might have worried for him in the white space between lines five and six, or maybe even earlier. And you might be holding your breath for him right now because you know this story. It's a true story though. Miraculously, in this version of the story anyway, the boy on the roof of the Skyview lives to tell the police that he is studying the night and moon and lives long enough to offer them the cops a view through his telescope's long black eye, which, if I am spelling it out anyway, is the instrument he borrowed and the beautiful trouble he went through, lugging it up to the roof to better see the leopard body of space speckled with stars and the moon far off, much farther than, since I am spelling the thing out, the distance between the white neighbor who cannot see the boy who is her neighbor, who in fact is much nearer to her than to the moon, the boy who wants to understand the large and gloriously unhuman mysteries of the galaxy, the boy who, despite America, has not been killed by the murderous jury of his neighbor's imagination and wound. This poem wants only the moon in its hair and the boy on the roof. This boy on the roof of this poem with a moon in his heart, inside my own body, As I write this poem, my body is making a boy, even as the radio calls out the Missouri coroner's news, the Ohio coroner's news, 2015. My boy will nod for his milk and close his mouth around the black eye of my nipple. We will survive. How did it happen? The boy, the cops, my body in this poem, my milk pulling down into droplets of light as the baby drinks and drinks them down into the body that is his own. See it, splayed and sighing as a star in my arms. Maybe he will be the boy who studies stars. Maybe he will be, say it, the boy on the coroner's table, splayed and spangled by an officer's lead, as if he too weren't made of a trillion glorious cells and sentences.
trying to last. Leadless, remember? The body's beginning, splendored with breaths, turned by time into at least this song. This moment made and the mackerel soul caught flashing inside the brief moment of the body's net. Then, whoosh, back into a sea of space. The poem dreams of bodies always leadless, bearing only things ordinary as water and light. Oof, from the Black Maria by Aristelis Girmai. Wow. Oh, I just love that poem. It's um, great. It's heavy, yeah. but it's like beautiful at the same time. Yeah. Oh. I love that it's um, written like a prayer. Um, I actually just read this to a writing workshop I did with young women at um, the college where I work. Um, and there are like three different layers that I found in the poem. Like one is the speaker talking about the world, you know, and sort of hinting at racial profiling and um, put the potential, the, the very, um, you know, what's the word, palpable sense of um, police brutality. Um, so there's like one, like the world. Two, there's like this parenthetical voice that is like the poet almost talking to the speaker, being like, you know, this might happen. This is important to note. Um, and then there's like the speaker who is just kind of like talking about the details of the world. Um, and so I really love this poem because it draws out how all of those things are happening at once. And I feel like that's also one of the beauties about astrology is that it's the tracking of multiple things happening at once across all the planets and how like we as people are um, enacted, embodied, impacted by all of those different movements and transits. Um, and the poem really uses a lot of suspense while also addressing racism. Um, by also like naming some of the fears of motherhood. I think sometimes people imagine a very white motherhood, which is that everything is happy, that it's okay to comment on people's bodies, that we can live with the sort of gendered expectations of what motherhood should look like. Um, and it just really talks about what does it mean to be a body, like a body in the world, a body of elements, and a body like in this galaxy. Um, a few years ago, I attended a conference where an astrophysicist was giving a keynote speech and told students that the students in their bodies contain what is out in space. So when they say like, you know, humans are, are the universe, like we are the universe because we have the same elements. Um, and so, yeah, I just have like some sort of like uh, research or citation that supports that, that what's out in the universe is also in our bodies, carbon, hydrogen, nitrogen, ox oxygen, <laughs> phosphorus, and sulfur. So we are essentially, when people say we are made of stars, like they're not playing. That's scientific. That's truth. Um, and Aristelis Girmay kind of names that in the poem too, when she says like the body is made of the same, um, uh, we're, are made of the same trillion glorious cells and sentences. So, um, yeah. <sighs> yeah. Do you have any thoughts? Yeah, actually, I want to go back to a point you were making, um, you know, before, like earlier about Neil deGrasse Tyson's story and just his recognition that he, yeah, he like quote unquote made it and success successful, but what about all of these other like black and brown youth who were just like him, who had the exact same dream, but were told. Mm -hmm 
by a teacher or multiple teachers probably like why don't you be an athlete instead of an astrophysicist and how many of those students actually listened you know because yeah these are authority figures right like several authority figures on their life just like telling them these like messages and um it makes me actually think back to even just like the conversation on planets like that are like in domicile ex exaltation detriment and fall and there's actually been really good discussions with astrologers over this past like year and even beyond like this year about um how <clears throat> that can be tied with privilege, like systemic, like, um, you know, and this like racism and just privilege and just like all these kind of things. And um, that's something I'm just like constantly trying to explore and also just trying to find the balance, even when I'm just doing my own like client work where I'm doing a reading for someone where like if I see someone with a planet in detriment or fall, like on one hand, like I don't like want it to sound all doom and gloom, you know, and I really try to like find ways to like talk about where it's like not the end of the world. But on the other hand, it's like there is also just this reality that um, life isn't always like, like you said, like it's not like all white motherhood or it's just like all like just like roses and like I like, you know, Instagrammable like posts and things <laughs> like that. Like um, that, no, things can just are shitty, but it's not even necessarily about you. It's not like that you were born this like person who just like really struggles with these things. It's like, no, there actually really are just like maybe some things like, you know, in the society we grew up, they're actually really affecting you in yeah. particular. Totally totally ooh i think that would be something interesting to talk about or like continue to explore like um i don't know the sociology of astrology you know <laughs> how does that sort of factor in and you know how do we take account for or how do the store the stars sort of answer for those questions we have about um issues or current events we have in our society so i'm sure that will all come up Yes. <laughs> it's such a beautiful poem. Thank you so much for sharing. I mean, the poem itself is just like really, like I said, it's just like it's heavy and the suspense, mm -hmm. you're it's like there. You're just like I could feel myself like almost like holding my breath, like as you're like reading it, you know? Um, but yeah, I think it's so appropriate for this discussion on sun and moon too, because like even just like the literal ebbs and flows of this poem, right? Where you you're suddenly like, yeah, you're just like holding your breath for this like child. But then also then I kind of seen this moment of like motherhood, but there's still like, and that's beautiful, but at the same time is just kind of brought with like a lot of fear and anxiety. Mm -hmm. yeah. Totally. Ooh, thanks for listening to it and reading it with me, Pow, and everyone who will be listening. <laughs> All right. Shout outs. I was just thinking the same Yay! thing. Yeah, of course we should add with some shout outs. Um, shout out to my friend Jessica, who's another astrologer on Twitter. She was the one who sent me the tarot card deck. And it's a tarot it, that this, this particular deck has like notable women in history. And I oh, fucking God. love it. It's been just so great. So shout out to her. Yes. I love like the things people are doing with tarot and finding different ways to interpret it. So that's amazing. Um, I wanted to shout out uh, my friend Cindy, who is already sending out her Christmas gifts to people. <laughs> oh, <shit. laughs> so, 
I just wanted to say that because it made me like move my ass and start to plan out like, am I going to give people things or if I'm going to send cards, um, you know, maybe I'll find the cards. But yeah, I guess I also want to shout out um, this like really special card and stationery shop and actually in Portland, Oregon. It's called Little Otsu, O-T-S-U. I love their cards. So I always order my cards from there. Um, yeah, that's my second shout out. What about you, cool. pal? Shout out to, um, for all of those who were able to vote, <laughs> voted for Biden. Yeah, I, uh, yeah we like, uh, I think we talked in the last podcast episode that I was like in Reno. I'm back here in Hawaii now. It's been like over a week now since I've been back and I'm still like just like riding this high of like, holy shit, like we did it and we fucking did it by having like, 10 like there are 10 million phone banking calls that were made and like 3 million of like doors that were knocked all by just like union members in philadelphia and and nevada and florida and arizona so good job to everyone who was able to vote and did vote for biden yes shout out to your union for doing that like we just saw everything play out and even though people were unfairly making fun of nevada i think it's great that your union went to the exact county that helped things turn um and i also really love like maybe i want to say too like shout out to the end of mars retrograde because we what we saw this week was that joe biden definitely won the u.s presidency by far so I feel like that is that's something that I attribute to that like the end of this sort of like um intense aggression or male intense male aggression so oh my gosh that's such a good point yeah shout out to Nevada (laughs) shout out to both Reno and Las Vegas being a Tauruses (laughs) (laughs) yes tell us about that yeah I looked up the founding dates for both cities and it wasn't just me like there were other astrologers doing this I'm not taking credit for it but I looked up both cities they're both the biggest cities in Nevada and so are obviously the most populated and have most of this like the voters and they're both Tauruses like they're both born and like founded in Taurus season I couldn't believe it but at the same time I could Yes, I told my Taurus son friend about that because they were like, why is it taking so fucking long? What is going on? Like, why why are they taking their sweet ass time? And I was like, listen up. (laughs) They're Tauruses and so are you. What does that tell you? And then she was like, oh, then they can take their time. (laughs) (laughs) Like, oh, in that case. Yeah. (laughs) Take your time. Oh, I love this. I'm glad we're back. I miss you, Janice. Oh, likewise. Me too. We'll be back next week. We'll talk about another planet. Yes. All right. (laughs) Bye. Okay, bye.